What's up, guys? I'm Nathan. That's Brennan. This is the Trial Run Podcast. We are just two average college kids that have sports opinions and a little bit of high school sports experience. Brennan a little bit more than I do, just oh, because yeah. he actually played. Yep. You know, I, you know, you know how it is, Nate. <laughs> what we were looking to do with this is just kind of get some ideas out of our head. We want to get it into something tangible. Get it into a podcast. Get the ideas out of our own brains and into something that you can listen to and enjoy or not enjoy. If you don't like what we had to say, don't like our takes, and that's definitely bound to happen. Given that we are college kids with busy schedules, I think the name Trial Run kind of explains itself. We are terrible at committing to things, but we thought we might give this a try to see how it turns out. Yeah, really guys, at home, this is going to suck. We understand that. It's the first podcast. I beg of you to bear with us on this one. Yeah, a little disclaimer to start. This is going to be awful. Neither of us have any broadcasting, any talk show experience, so please... Bear with us. Keep listening. I promise you it'll probably get better. It's like fine wine. It gets better with age. So as I said before, we are just average fans with a love for sports. And just like almost every other sports fan in the country, we'll be tuned in all the big games, all the big events. And there's no event bigger in sports in America than the Super Bowl, which is happening next weekend. Last week, we got Drew Brees versus Jared Goff in the, or in the NFC Championship, excuse me, and Pat Mahomes versus Tom Brady in the AFC Championship. This week, we obviously get a continuation of that. We get Jared Goff, we get Tom Brady meeting on the biggest stage. And if you ask me, I would say that the youth movement is definitely alive and well throughout the National Football League. Oh, yes. Not just at the quarterback position, but all across the board on both sides of the ball. You've got, you've got guys like Saquon Barkley, Juju Smith-Schuster. They made Pro Bowls on the offensive side of the ball. Um, there are guys coming in and making an instant impact. And what do you make of having these young guys coming in and setting the league on fire? Because basically this is, this is their league now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We're, we've been seeing a lot of youth. Like I, I, I recall, you know, back when I was watching football back, you know, 2008 to 2012 or whatever, you know, you had your established quarterbacks, you had your established guys. No one really came into the league and made an impact right away. But now you got guys like, you know, Jared Goff, as you said, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, all these like rookie quarterbacks who are making. I think that really started actually with Cam Newton. You know, of course he, he made he, Auburn. Yes, yeah, he he made a big impact right away. Um, but yeah, now it's just something you see a lot more. It's interesting. Obviously, I forgot to mention Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is my dog. Shake I love that man. I love Shake that man out of Oklahoma. Obviously, with this Super Bowl coming up, you got Jerry Goff, you got Sean McVay, Fifty-seven years of age combined, and then on the other side of the ball, you have Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. One hundred and seven years—that's a fifty-year difference. That is absurd. Which is kind of incredible, and it, it's hard to talk about the youth movement without talking about the brilliance of some of the old timers, yeah. the Wiley veterans, still giving it in the league after all these years. Exhibit A, of course, of this would be Tom Brady, but you can't talk about Tom Brady without talking about Drew Brees, without talking about Ben Roethlisberger, right. one of the some of the best players of the generation. And some would even take that a step further with Tom Brady, saying that he's perhaps the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Oh, Not just at the quarterback gosh. position, but the greatest player of all time. Tommy's going for six this year. His six rings, one for the thumb. You know how I feel about this, Nate. What do you, what do you got to say? What do you, the GOAT. Is, he the, is Tommy, Tom Brady the GOAT? Okay. No question Tom Brady is the GOAT as the quarterback. Okay, so that's obvious. We know that, right? Many would argue he's the GOAT as a football player. I think that's obvious. Hands down. There's no one better. He, Joe Montana was in contention for a while. He blew him out of the water. 
athletic sports goat of all time, any sport, Tom Brady is the best in the business. There is no one better. He, obvi- okay, obviously, disclaimer, he's not the best athlete of all time. No one's saying that. Obviously, there's way more freakish athlete- athletes than Tom Brady. He-, he-, he can't throw the ball 50 yards down the field, whatever. But in terms of sheer dominance at a position in any sport. Across Tom- all sports. Across all sports, Tom Brady is the best there is. I mean, I'm talking guys like Michael Phelps. you got Serena Williams playing tennis. you got domination at a completely different level. That's another stratosphere because those are individual sports where you're taking this to the next level. Tom Brady is a part of an excellent organization. He's got people on his side like Bill Belichick. He's got Robert Kraft, <clears throat> one of the greatest owners of all time. Yeah, because of Brady. I mean, come on <laughs> Brady now. made him. Come let, on now. Let me hit you with something real quick. Only four teams, four teams in all of the NFL, these are the pros we're talking about here, have ever won as many playoff games as Brady by himself. So only four. I think it's like the Steelers, the you know Seahawks, and who even cares who the rest of them are? Brady's won more than all these other teams, more than 24, 28 other teams in the NFL by himself. I think it's hard to dispute, like I said, the greatness of Tom Brady and the Patriots organization from the top with Belichick, with Robert Kraft. These guys have created a monster, and by my estimate, it's completely wrecked the league. Um, of course, come, this is coming from the Lions fan. The Lions don't win anything ever. It's crushing to me to see the same team going back to the Super Bowl every year. So take this with a grain of salt. But coming into every season as a fan, you know your team is not living up to the expectations that the Patriots have set. We're playing checkers. They're playing chess. Yeah. Is that not completely demoralizing to the rest of the league to you? Because it, it is in my opinion. Oh, it's demoralizing, but that doesn't... That doesn't... Change the fact that, yeah, we're witnessing greatness. And honestly, at this point, I know a lot of people hate Brady, and I get that because he is so dominant. But when he's gone, I think we're going to miss it. Like, we, we need to kind of just sit back here, admire this greatness that we're seeing, and just, just enjoy the ride. I have all kinds of love for Tom Brady. I have all kinds of love for the greatness that he shows. I respect greatness. I've always defended the Warriors. I've always been a guy that defends greatness. I want to see the best team win, usually. But what I'm saying is it's completely demoralizing to the rest of the league, and it makes it hard for other fan bases to get up every Sunday when they're playing the Patriots, because even if they do beat them in the regular season, because may I remind you, may I remind you that my Lions beat the Patriots. Matty Stafford. Matt Stafford and the boys beat the Patriots at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. And it it meant nothing because the Patriots are still back in another Super Bowl. Tommy's going for his sixth. It's absolutely unbelievable. The era is going to be, it's it's coming to a close, as we mentioned. They have 107 years combined between Brady and Belichick. So, you know, that's going to be over soon. You got other up-and-comers, like you got the Saints, you got the Rams, you know. The Eagles have been looking good with Big Dick Nick. We love that. Um, so, you know, th- that, that era of dominance isn't going to stay around forever. And, of course, as we were talking about the youth movement, the MVP race is kind of coming down to, coming to its head at this point. Many think the the favorites, the two quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Pat Mahomes, who do you got out of those two? Or if there's a third contender, an outside contender that you don't think people are giving enough love, what do you got to say? This is this is a very, very tight tight race. In a lot of sports across, you know, the entire nation, it's it's usually pretty cut and dry, but this one is was hard for me. I, I'm gonna have to go with Drew Brees though. Uh, simply for the fact that I think he deserves it. He does not have an MVP, which to me is absurd because 
He has the most passing yards of any quarterback in the history of the NFL. So the fact that he doesn't have an MVP at this point in his career is blasphemous to me. Um, and he's really just shown not even not even in the game, but you know before the game, after the game, off the field. He's shown to me that he is a great leader. And if you're going to talk about most valuable player to an organization, I think that Drew Brees is astronomically more important than Mahomes is to the Chiefs. Oh, he's a dog for sure. He's got he's got all kinds of game. He's a game manager on the field, off the field. He does everything the right way. People love him. But I got to say, Pat Mahomes has put up astronomical numbers this year. And he took a Chiefs organization to the next level. Obviously, they let go of Alex Smith. They let him walk to Washington. He's taken them to another height, another level. And if it wasn't for your boy Tom Brady and the Patriots, he'd be playing next Sunday against the Rams, against Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. So in my in my humble opinion... I got to give it to Pat Mahomes, and that's that's just the way I feel. I understand Drew Brees' greatness. You don't want to disrespect his legacy by not putting an MVP next to his name over the entire course of his career. But when it comes down to this season, if I had to pick one guy to go in there and perform at a high level, I'm taking Pat Mahomes. Okay, fair enough. I respect it. I disagree, but there you go. That's what this is all about, man. <laughs> Respectfully disagreeing. That's all we got to say. Good stuff. All right. Uh, well... In other news, I think that we could definitely flip to college basketball. I think that's a hot topic these days. We're college students. We go to Central Michigan University, and I've kind of been a little upset of late with our fighting Chippewas, you know. You know, one big thing about being in college, and especially being a college kid with a love for sports, there's an opportunity to get fully ingrained with the teams at your university. We are... We're both very proud students of Central Michigan University. Fire oh, yeah. up chips, fire, up, fire chips. up chips. And coming into this semester, to be honest with you, I really had no intentions of getting completely encapsulated yeah. with either of the Central Michigan University basketball teams, both on the men's and women's sides. Yep. Hey, um, big game tomorrow. Women's basketball, 1 o'clock. Tune in. However, sports have a way of, of grabbing a person's attention, at least for me. And after attending some of the CMU basketball games, you were there. You were sitting right next to me. Yep. We, were, we were going all out. And now we're both all in. And this is what this is what makes Central's recent skid on both sides, the men and women, even more hard to swallow. After starting the season thirteen and two and holding the Mac West League, CMU men, they've lost three out of their last four, all of which have been in conference. They've dropped to, I believe, third place in the Mac West, which is I mean, that's unbelievable to think after we watched them. They play they were playing some good ball. <laughs> we saw some overtime games. It was very they, there was some good ball and they they have some they have some dogs on their team. They got Larry Nance, they got they got Roundtree. They, Roundtree, yeah. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. They got my. They got all my boys. All C- the boys. CMU women's teams, which was a Sweet 16 team last year, they've lost two out of their last three and dropped to a, a 13 and five record that I think we both expected better than. They played Louisville early in the season. They they only lost by three or four points, I believe. It was a very tight game, and I I thought that was a that was an indicator that we were right there with all the other all the blue blood teams in the country. But what do you make of this this brutal stretch after such a promising start on both sides? It's kind of, I mean, okay, so if you had told me that Central would be going through a stretch like this at the beginning of the season, I would have said, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. It's Central, they're streaky like that. <clears throat> but what's really surprising to me about this, this streakiness of Central is that they're, they're playing teams that they've already played this year and losing to them. For example, they just played Akron in their last game. We were at that Akron game yeah. for the first time, overtime win. Great it game. was close, but Central controlled it throughout, I would say. And now, you know, you see them losing to Akron 
on the the back half of it and really I don't I'm kind of at a loss I mean they've looked at times like a obviously they're in the max so you know not a championship contender but they've looked like a decent team in my opinion they look like a tournament contender they look like a team that could make a run in the MAC tournament and make a run at getting into the NCAA tournament you got Buffalo in the way but honestly other than Buffalo I think Central's right there I think they can beat any team in the MAC including Buffalo and that's what makes this really tough for me Ooh. That's what makes this really tough for me because on the surface, I am a fan, but deep down, I am a sports fan, and I would love nothing more but to see my school go to the NCAA tournament, and I want them to be performing at a high level on national stage because that is what our university needs, and that's what every university looks forward to and wants to happen. I don't care where that game is. If Central's going to the tournament, we (laughs) we will be there, and you know what? We will have our podcast from that location. For sure, for sure. No questions. And now that we have our our homer bias kind of out of the way, we can talk about college basketball as a whole. There have been some very good teams at the top this year, including, you know, we got two top ten teams right down the road here in the state of Michigan. We got got your favorite, Michigan State University Spartans. Okay. And we got the University of Michigan. We got East Lansing, Ann Arbor. The Big Ten as a whole is very good again, yep. which we we expect nothing less at this point. Yep. This year, four current top 10 teams, or excuse me, top 25 teams, some very strong clubs in the middle. Um, the mix in general is as well put together. With that being said, what do you value more in a conference, strength at the top or depth throughout? No question depth. Depth all the way. People don't really talk about you know, or people always talk about how many teams from a conference make the tournament, but they don't really talk about conference in terms of the national champion. You know, you got North Carolina winning some years, you've got, you know, Duke or Kentucky or whatever, and you don't say like, oh yeah, SEC had a really good year because Kentucky won the national championship. What you do say though is, wow, the SEC just sent seven teams to the tournament. That's a pretty good showing for them. So I would definitely place uh, emphasis over the depth of a conference as a whole as opposed to just having a few good teams at the top. And I know you're an avid Big Ten guy. Of course. But the perennial powerhouse conference, the conference that bleeds basketball at every level is the ACC. Yeah. It is. Not right now. It just is. They have six top 25 teams in the current poll, including two of the top four. You got Duke, you got Virginia, two of the best teams in the entire country. How do you think these perennial powerhouse conferences like the ACC, like the Big Ten, stack up against one another? Because may I remind you, the ACC Big Ten Challenge way back in 2018 ended in a 7-7 tie. It did. Uh, yep, yeah, it did. But I've also think, I'm, I'm thinking that teams have been making a step forward in the Big Ten. I am, you know, I have a huge Big Ten bias, so it's unfair for me to judge too harshly on this. But I think teams... Some of the bottom dwellers of the Big Ten, actually, if you look at Illinois, they struggled a lot early, and now they've been coming on more and more recently. Even when they're not winning, they're making competitive, uh, making competitive games of the Big Ten opponents that they're playing against. And then you got teams like Northwestern, who's been coming along nicely. Iowa, who's now ranked. Um, Even teams like Nebraska and Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota is a team that every single year, year in, year out, they come in and they give everybody, they, they put everybody in the Big Ten through a dogfight every yeah. single time they play them, it seems like. Yeah, but then, I, you, it's to be fair, there are some teams that were struggling early in the ACC, North Carolina, for example. My, yeah, for my, sure. My boy, the Wolverines, you know, they, they took them out handily on my head. But now they're coming along nicely, so... I guess we'll just have to see when it comes to the tournament. I know that my my boy uh, 
Joe Lenardi. I was just looking at some bracketology earlier today. He's got the Big Ten as projected to have the most teams in the in the, in the Big Dance. He's with 10, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out down the stretch and into the tournament. And, of course, one aspect of the ACC and the Big Ten and conferences, Blue Blood conferences, you have coaches on both sides that are just unbelievable. Yeah. In the Big Ten, you've got coaches like John Beeline, who doesn't get nearly enough love, and I know you agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. You got my boy Tom Izzo, mm. a Uper boy, nine oh six, from the from the big town of Iron Mountain, Michigan. Oh gosh. And then in the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, you got you got coaches like Roy Williams, you got Mike Shashevsky. Who's it's, that? <laughs> it's just deep all the way around. And is is there any team? I know that you follow college basketball as, as well as I. And is there any team that you were not expecting at the beginning of the season? to stand out as much as they have to this point? And do you believe that there are any teams that you didn't see being a surprise contender that are a contender? I'm actually going to flip the script on that one, and I'm going to say a team that I thought would be a contender that is now not looking like a contender. I'm going to go with the Ohio State Buckeyes, and this is not prejudiced. This is real. You got that U of M bias. Uh, This is not prejudiced. I have respect for what Chris Holtzman does at Ohio State. I think that is a well-run program. I think they do it the right way there, but Ohio State has lost five straight games, and yeah. I am baffled as to why. They lost to Rutgers in that stretch. Bottom how, of the Big Ten. How do you lose to Rutgers? Well, I don't get it. Rutgers, second-class institution. I, I really thought that, yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> I really thought that Ohio State was going to at least have a chance to, to, to make some noise in the tournament, and I'm sure they'll right the ship. Uh, you know, going down the stretch into Big Ten play, and I'm sure they'll make the tournament. They're still sitting at, I think, 13-5, and five, which is not bad. But, yeah, no, I'm really surprised, especially with the hot start they got off to. To be honest, with for me, it, it's Gonzaga. I know Gonzaga, every year they come in, they play. Nobody really gives them the love that they, they deserve. Mm-hmm. But to me, coming in, I, I watched Gonzaga beat Duke at the beginning of the year at the Maui Invitational. Mm-hmm. And that was an, an, an incredible performance, obviously. Gonzaga beating a team, beating a traditional blue blood, uh, a power power conference team like Duke, like Mike Krzyzewski, um, Rui Hachimura, their best player at Gonzaga. He's really balled out all season. He's going to be a lottery pick more than likely. And for me, it's Gonzaga. I know I, I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but whenever I see a mid-major team like that balling out at the highest level, I can't help but give them a little bit of love. Gonzaga just... just... Uh, on Thursday night, they just beat Santa Clara, you know, not a powerhouse, but they just beat them 98-39, to handing Santa Clara their worst loss in program history. So, yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with Gonzaga. Watch out. Watch out, rest of the nation, for, for Gonzaga. <laughs> They're a formidable team, to say the least. And just a little fun thing that we want to do before we wrap up this segment. Uh, we're going to try to do this throughout the course of our show, if our show keeps going, you know. Mm, you know. Uh, this will vary by sport from week to week, but we want to give a little bit, give a couple picks, and kind of just give our takes on some of the games that are coming up. So for this week, we got college basketball this Saturday. A um, couple marquee matchups. We've got Iowa State at number twenty-four. Iowa State at number twenty. Ole Miss mm-hmm. in Oxford on ESPN with a noon tip. Who do you got? Iowa State easily. This whole Ole Miss thing. I understand that they're having like a surge here. It's a mirage. It's nothing. This is not real. Ole Miss is a mid-SEC team at best. Uh, I think Iowa State will will definitely pull out the W here. I've got Iowa State as well. Battle-tested. They had some games early in the season. They played Arizona. They lost. 
They played Iowa. They played Kansas twice already, and you know how good they are constantly, blue blood team. And they had Texas Tech, which is a top ten team currently. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm banking on them bringing a little bit of that Hilton magic from Ames, Iowa, bringing it down to Oxford and and pulling out the win. Uh, second game on Saturday, number nine Kansas versus number eight Kentucky in Lexington on ESPN at five o'clock. We got we got Coach Cal, we got Bill Self. Um, what do you got? Kentucky's back, folks. They they're back. They've won five straight. Last two against Auburn and Mississippi State, both ranked very teams. good programs. Very good programs. I know they've been down and out. Do not ever doubt my boy John Calipari. He will right the ship here. They're looking at a deep tournament run this year. I definitely have Kentucky. In this oh, game. I love me some Coach Cal, and I hate that I have to agree with you on a second straight <laughs> pick. But I love Coach Cal. He's got his guys playing at an unbelievable level right now. After that loss to Alabama that I know I watched personally over, over Christmas break, Alabama, unbelievable. They've won five. In, Alabama was a good team. They beat Kentucky yep. in Alabama, and now Kentucky's back. They've won five in a row. They, they're playing at home in Lexington. I, I have to take Kentucky. Yep. Absolutely. On Sunday, we've got number six Michigan State University, MSU, just down the road, 60 miles south in East Lansing. That's right. Versus Purdue in West Lafayette on CBS, 1 o'clock tip. Who you got? You know, Purdue has been another team that's been making a little bit of a surge again. They're coming back a little bit, but I just don't see Carson Edwards carrying the entire Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, Michigan State has been looking great, much to my dismay. Um, so, yeah, Michigan State. It's got to be frustrating for that program, especially for a guy like Carson Edwards, who is an All-American. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that plays at the highest level. He can play with anybody in the NCAA. And for them to, to be down like this, um, MSU is just going to be too much. Cassius Winston is, is an absolute dog. I know you hate giving any love to them. He almost went to Michigan, so that really makes me mad. But yeah. <laughs> and then you got Coach Izzo, like I said earlier, my boy from the UP, Uper yeah. Love. Um, you got to give him some love. Disgusting. Got to take Michigan State Spartans. How about that Seton Hall-Villanova game we got? Oh, my goodness, Seton Hall. I got to take Villanova. I know Villanova got slapped at the beginning of the, the year by year Michigan Wolverines. That's right, they But did. they've since righted the ship. Jay Wright, um, he's, an, he's a high-caliber coach. He's excellent. I have to take Villanova. It's kind of making me mad because we've agreed on now four straight picks. But, yep, I'm going with Villanova as well. As, as Nate said, they've won seven straight, which is absurd. All of them against teams with winning record. All of those teams, top 100 teams, and three of them are in the top 50. So, yeah, Villanova had a rough start to the year, but do not count them out down the stretch, and definitely not in this game against Seton Hall. Absolutely. Coming up next, we have a little bit of NBA talk after the break. Stay right here. trial run podcast we got some nba talk for you we got we got lakers without lebron um they are who we thought they were going to be what is your take on just how the lakers have played without lebron um it, it was obviously one of the the major news stories in the nba and across entire sports when when he got hurt so i'm just wondering what your take on it how you think they've responded as a team and how it's been for them well you know, the Lakers without LeBron, it's been interesting. I think that that's a thing that can be sustained for a little while. You know, we've got Kuzma, Kyle Kuzma has been popping off recently. And LeBron as a coach on the sideline, just his sideline presence I think is huge. Um, but there's no question that they're going to need LeBron for a playoff push. That team is a young team still. 
and they cannot do anything postseason without LeBron. I, I mean, it's, it's the damn island of misfit toys over there without <laughs> LeBron. I mean, you got Rajon Rondo, Lonzo Ball. Who, who's the glue guy? Like, who's holding them together? LeBron. LeBron's not only their best player, but he's the glue that holds that whole thing yeah. together. They're probably a 30-win team without LeBron. Yeah. They are exactly who they, we thought they were going to be. They're, they're struggling mightily without LeBron. It's not surprising because he's the greatest player in the entire world. And it's it's unbelievable to me that people had high expectations. If they did, if they had high expectations for him, it would make completely no sense to me at yeah. all. With Lakers without LeBron is a terrible organization. Although... Not, like, not, not necessarily an organization, no, you but, know, but a, ter- you know what I mean. I a terrible like, group. I didn't mean organization, like, obviously, yes. the Lakers past is yeah, awesome. Of course. We, know, we all know that. I meant currently. Yes. Did you hear that uh, potentially the Bulls might be trying to give Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers? Banana Boat Crew. Banana boat you got the Banana banana Boat Gang, you got LeBron James, you got Carmelo Anthony. Little known fact, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony actually was not in that photo. He's really? Just, he's actually just assumed to be a part of the Banana Boat Gang, but he was not on that really? photo, not on that boat. I did hear that Carmelo Anthony, there's a chance that, because obviously the Bulls are going to waive him. The Bulls have no use for him. They're a young rebuilding team. That makes me mad, because I'm, I'm going to a Bulls-Hawks game this, this spring, well, potentially. Mom and Dad... I know that if uh, if that doesn't work out, you know, this is kind of awkward, but how about you just give us tickets to the game and then we don't have to worry about it. Okay, shameless plug there, but keep going. Yeah, sir. No, but Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, he's a he's a guy that's of no use to the Bulls. They have Zach Levine. They're trying to they're trying to rebuild around him, which I I have my own doubts about him. But just in general, they're trying to rebuild. It makes no sense to bring in an, an old guy that wants to be a ball stopper and take a bunch of shots. Yeah. To me it's it's counterintuitive and it's anti what they're trying to do. Melo, let me put this out here. For the record, we don't have to get too deep into this. I'm just saying, career-wise, Kyle Korver has had a better career than Carmelo Anthony. Oh, God. You've always got to plug Kyle Korver somehow. Kyle Korver. I'm just going to let that one go. I don't even know how to address that one. (laughs) So on the opposite of the Lakers losing LeBron, you've got the Golden State Warriors. You've got the back-to-back champions, three out of the last four. Everybody knows their story. They've got... Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. They got Draymond Washington, Green. All of them. They're, they're, they're an excellent franchise. They're an excellent team, excellent organization. And they just got, you know, the, what they say, the rich get richer. They just got your boy, my boy, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins back in the lineup. Five all-stars playing on one team at one time. I, that's never been heard of. That's absurd. And like I said about the Lakers, the Warriors gaining DeMarcus Cousins are exactly who we thought they were. Yeah. They're going to be a playoff team that's going to be almost impossible to stop. Watch out. Watch out. In this in this Warriors dynasty, the one thing that they've been missing the entire time, they've never had a dominant big man. Yep. They had hey, Zaza. They had Not they had Zaza Pachulia and Andrew Bogut and David Lee. And now they have Kavon Looney starting before DeMarcus Cousins. And now you get a perennial all-star, a dominant big man in that lineup with with shooters the likes of whom we've never seen before. Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time. Kevin Durant's probably a top 10, top 25 shooter of all time. Klay Thompson's probably a top 10 shooter. Mm -hmm. You got this boy, Klay Thompson, who's perhaps the third or fourth best player on your team, Scoring option three or four, mm-hmm. and he hits ten out of eleven threes just this week. That is unheard of. I can't believe it. Steph Curry's going to be going to hold all the three point records more than likely, but Clay Thompson. I mean, you got four potential Hall of Famers, possibly five on that starting lineup. It's five, unbelievable. Yeah. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's going to be absurd uh, down there in California. Well, to the side there in California. I think that's <laughs> I think that's not fair. Like you were talking about with the Patriots, they are. Oh, don't get me started. They are absurd. Uh, my one concern would be the chemistry going forward with the Warriors. Just because Boogie hasn't played with the team, obviously, this entire year. They seem to get along well, though. I, I remember his first game back, they like showered him with Gatorade or something like that. They look to get along well, uh, so I don't think there's any problem there. It would just come on to the, the hardwood itself, uh, but really, I don't see any problems, and if they can get Boogie going, then it's over for everyone. With all due respect to the chemistry issues, I think chemistry kind of goes out the window when you have five All-Stars yeah. on your starting lineup. Yeah, I honestly don't think it matters that much at, at that point. When you have that much talent walking around the floor, there's not a team in the league that's going to be able to compete with them if they're all clicking and playing at a high level. Speaking of All-Stars, who do you, who do you got for this year's MVP candidate? We, I know you think that it's it's very cut and dry. It's very it's, it's clear-cut because obviously at this point in the year, when you have a guy that's playing at the level that my man James Harden has been playing at, the bearded one, yeah. it's it's baffling to me that anybody can try to deprive him of an MVP. If you gave him the MVP last year, and this year, he's balling out at a new level that I've never even seen before. I didn't even know he was capable of. You take Chris Paul out of that starting lineup, and you want to talk about most valuable player to a team. Who's the second best player on that team without when Chris Paul's out of the lineup? You, you, have ja- you, you have James Harden, who is, a, in my opinion, is going to be the MVP. He needs to be the MVP for the, back, for the second straight year. You have Clint Capella as your number two scoring option. And he's a, he's a glorified lob catcher down low. He can't do... Hey, do not do not disrespect the bigs. James Harden is... It's so obvious to me. I can't it, I can't fathom that anybody else will try to give it to, to anybody else at this point. I don't necessarily disagree, although I will play devil's advocate. And this is devil's advocate, but I definitely can make a case for someone else. Like you were saying, MVP. And like I alluded to earlier in this show... What does MVP mean? Does it mean most valuable player or does it mean best player? That's a very, very big distinction. And if we're going to talk about most valuable to a team, I don't know if you can argue anyone other than Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is absurd. The Greek freak is absurd. Harden, well, obviously it's a big struggle without Chris Paul. He does have other tools around him. We were talking about this summer with the addition of Carmelo Anthony, uh, that being a potential super team in the making. I wasn't. Well, a lot of people were. Carmelo Anthony was washed up before the season even started. But who, okay, who is who is the Bucks' second best player? You got like Malcolm Brogdon. They have a lot of positions, a bunch of role players that kind of make yeah. up more than than what Capella has to offer. They have Malcolm Brogdon. They have Middleton that can shoot the ball lights out. They have a team full of, of role cast players. That That's what you need to put around a superstar like Giannis. And James Harden has Clint Capella and basically nobody else. P.J. Tucker? Let me hit you with this. Giannis is leading his team in points, in rebounds, in assists, and it's not even close. He is outscoring his next closest teammate by 9.2 points out-rebounding his next closest by 6.8, out-assisting his next closest by 1.8. And to top all of that, the Bucks are first in the East right now. He is doing all of this all by himself, basically, unless you want to, you know, talk about Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon or whatever. But it's really all Brooke Giannis. Lopez. Brooke, okay, don't even start with me with Brooke Lopez. Going back to the actual what the MVP means, I'm happy that we do agree on this, that it should be the most valuable player to a team. Because 
if you're going to talk about best player in the league, then you might as well have given the, the award to LeBron the last decade. And it makes no sense to me that people want to argue the most valuable player. There can be more valuable players than LeBron to a team on any given year. But if you want to, if you were going to make it the the most outstanding or most valuable player in the sense that it's the best player in the league, then it would be a complete one horse race every single year. I don't even think Harden is the best player in the league right now. No, and I I, I, I would I would agree with you. He's, he's off, he's not a two-way player at all. I, I would agree no with that. Game, so no, yeah. I would agree with that, and I would agree if you're going to categorize as best best player overall, then obviously Giannis would be ahead of him. Yep. LeBron would be ahead of him. I'd put Kawhi Leonard ahead yep. of him. Mm-hmm. Guys like that that play both ways. But that's not the discussion we're having. We're talking about most valuable player to their team, and I'm happy that we at least agree on that. Yeah. Back to some more picks. Uh, like we said earlier, we're going to try to do picks throughout the uh, this show and we did college basketball picks earlier we've got some some weekend games this weekend we've got warriors versus celtics who you got in that one i got i mean we just talked about how great the warriors were you can't pick against the warriors they're definitely gonna win that game i don't think although i would definitely say look for the celtics to start getting hot i had them as a I don't even know if it's fair to say dark horse because you know they kind of are a front runner in the east but i had them as a dark horse uh championship team uh i think they just have so many weapons around them uh so yeah warriors with the win but celtics in the future look for them to get hot i will say i had the celtics as my my lock one seed in the east so i'm a little bit yeah i'm a little bit underwhelmed i'm a little bit underwhelmed at what they've had to show this year and like i said i'm I'm gonna pick the warriors i can't pick against the warriors they just got boogie back they've been absolutely balling out on every single level I, i can't pick against them that's that's just what I got to say. I don't. It's going to be hard to pick against them the rest of the year, to be honest with you. Yep. Second game on Saturday, we got the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets have been a team that have come out swinging all year. We, I, I did not expect them to be nearly as good as they Doncic. as they currently are. You got, oh, my goodness. Doncic. And then you've got the Philadelphia 76ers. you got Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Um, you got that whole crew over there. Who do you got in that one? Well, you, you missed a very important piece for the 76ers. Their crackhead, Jimmy Butler, who is... Absolutely destroying that franchise, locker room, everything you want to talk about. Sixers, wow, wow, Sixers are in big, are in big trouble coming up here if they don't start figuring out things with Jimmy Butler in that locker room. Um, on a single game standpoint, yep, I still got the Nuggets, but again, looking at long term, wow, Sixers are in trouble if they don't right the ship there. I wholeheartedly disagree with you on the Jimmy Butler take. I, I, I love Jimmy Butler as a player. I love him as a as a person. I love what he did in Minnesota. I know most people hated that, calling out your coach, calling out your front office, calling out all your all your teammates. But I, I love what he has to offer the Sixers. I think he makes them a, a significantly better team down the stretch. And I don't think I think the locker room aspect of, of sports is a little bit a little bit overblown in a lot of cases. And I think that is also the case in this. And I, I've got the Philadelphia 76ers over the Denver Nuggets this weekend. I, I think that there's a difference between being a leader and being an asshole. And I think Jimmy Butler is an asshole. If you look at his teammates' comments, he's not commanding the locker room. He's pushing everyone away from each other and just starting beef where it's not necessary. So we don't have to get into all that, but that's just my two cents on you, You're right, you're right. Sunday, final game that we're going to predict we got the Utah Jazz versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. I know you got your Donovan Mitchell on as we speak, as we are recording this podcast. Rep the man. Who do you got? How am I going to go against Fidad Mitchell? I can't do it. He is a legend. 
great person both on and off the court. And I would never, ever... Go- oh, and also, I think it's very important to mention that a recent addition to the Utah Jazz is the greatest shooter of all time, Kyle Korver. So it's a double whammy when you really look at it. So, yeah, there's no question Jazz are winning that game. Probably by 100, maybe two. Yeah, I got the Jazz. The Timberwolves have kind of oh, been a... heck? Wait, did it, we're, si- we're six... What is it, seven for seven? Seven for seven. I got the, I've got the Utah Jazz. The Timberwolves have been a dumpster fire since they got rid of Jimmy Butler. So I, there, there's no surprise. I got the Jazz. Like I, I said earlier, your Kyle, Kyle Korver take is just horrendous. It's amazing. I love Donovan Mitchell, and I think the Jazz are a much better team than the Timberwolves, so that's that's going to be a lock for me. I do like Derrick Rose, though. I will put that Derrick out there. Rose. I love Derrick Rose. I love the comeback. He's been on the come up all year. Perhaps comeback player of the year, maybe. Oh, I would, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, you've heard it here, guys. I don't know what you guys thought of it. I thought we did decent. For I the thought first it was time. good. I mean, I thought this was good. To be honest, I mean, you know, we had some stumbles. I said Sexers instead of Sixers, but you know that comes with the process. I think you also claimed that Doncic was on the Nuggets. I think you were. Referring to Nikola Jokic. Uh, yeah, Jokic, Jokic. Nikola okay. Jokic. Well, you know, that's, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's growing pains. Usually when we have uh, problems like that, we, uh, we we refer to our partner and, and we, we talk to them during the podcast. But, you know, no, sometimes no, no. we just ignore it and let it fly. I, th- I think maybe uh, I think maybe this is a this is a good a good little aspect to our show. We throw our mistakes. If we catch another person's mistakes, we make a note of it. We throw it at the end of the show just to show everybody how... Truly how worthless our takes are. And now, really, if, if someone listened to this halfway through and they just heard the Doncic part, they're going to be like, wow, what a bunch of idiots, and then hear us correct it at True. the end. So, so that's an incentive for all you people to listen to the whole episode each time. That's all I have to say about that. Given that this is a trial run podcast, this will probably be our last show. And if it isn't, we'll try to do better the next time. This is the trial run podcast.